1: So, love and loss in adoption reunification. This, I'm purely speaking from a personal perspective. I will be interjecting some professional opinions as well if I can distance myself from it enough.
0: Right. Not only because you're the product of an adoption, but also that that's what you do for a living. That's what I do for a living. You provide and you talk to people on a one on one basis. Good. I do. I've shared my adoption
1: story so many times, Mm -hmm. and my intent and purpose is always to educate others about adoption, to normalize the abnormal, Mm -hmm. and to desensitize the stigma of what adoption used to be and what people's preconceived notions of adoption have been. Because the more we can normalize what adoption really is, and take away the stigmas and the stereotypes and the preconceived notions, the more apt people are to choose adoption over abortion. And those members of the triad will hopefully be looked at as they should be, Mm -hmm. family members. Believe it or not, I am an incredibly private person. I have started to become more and more public and in a public setting, I'm fine. I absolutely have no issues with public speaking. I, you know, I enjoy teaching and educating people on adoption. Mm -hmm. I never envisioned myself being this public persona esque. It just kind of
0: developed through the career. It
1: has. It has. And through
0: the podcast now.
1: It has. And I'm beyond grateful to answer questions and to share my story and open the door to the adoption world as well as into my own adoption backyard, per se. Mm. I think sometimes it's much easier for me to stay on the surface level when talking about adoption rather than digging deep because nobody wants to dig deep into their own issues because that's where it's messy.
0: I know that personally as well, right. <laughs> yeah.
1: So in thinking about this podcast, I thought, you know, I often ask other people who we've talked to and we interview to go deep. And is that really fair of me to ask of somebody else what I have not been willing to do myself? Mm -hmm. The answer is no.
0: That's not fair. I've gotten to know you so much more. I mean, I knew you before the podcast ever started, but I feel like you do. You go deep with this podcast and you talk about personal issues that aren't easy all the time. And you've discussed with me things about your brother, your mother, what some of these hard things were for you. And I appreciate it because it is, it's education for people listening.
1: It is. And that's, that's obviously my goal. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't think that my adoption story is any more special than the next person's. Mm -hmm. I just have a platform in which to share it. Right. And that is all I'm trying to do. So today I'm going to go where I have not gone before Okay. and I am going to talk about thoughts and feelings and emotions that I went through during my adoption reunification in the hopes that other people who are contemplating if this is the right time in their life to go through an adoption reunion or whether or not this is the right action for them to take. That path. Right. Will listen to me in my story and it will help shed light and bring clarity to theirs. So that that's my goal. Okay. Because I've been a social worker and a counselor my whole professional career, I have trained myself in highly emotional situations to do what I call going flat. I can go into a super professional mode and take emotion out of it. So when I'm in a very emotional situation professionally or at work, I'm able to maintain composure. I'm able to make decisions that are not emotion emotionally based. Okay, I'm able to just focus on what needs to be handled at the time and, and not let my emotions take over decision-making and let my emotions take over myself because I know that I have to be the one to hold everything together. Mm-hmm. And when you are a director and you have social workers, they can be in a position that they can emotionally be there for the the client and they can ride that roller coaster.
0: But you have to be the head of the household. I
1: have to be the one that's holding up the village basically. Mm -hmm. And so I have always referred to that as going flat. I can just go flat and get through it.
0: Going flat, would that be the equivalent of compartmentalizing?
1: Yes. And it also is taking emotion out of it. Okay. Just being able to not really go there emotionally whatsoever mm-hmm. and just look at it for face value. Like, right. okay, this is the look decision at the you have facts. to make. Look at the facts, make a decision, move on. Okay. I will say that that can sometimes be a detriment in the sense that when I'm looking at my own adoption issues mm-hmm. and I'm in certain situations, I can do the same thing and maybe even subconsciously not realize I'm doing it, but I can just mm-hmm. go emotionless, just flat frozen. Okay. Because I've trained myself. Because when I was a school counselor and I would uh, have to make child abuse reports, I had to train myself to not take that home. I right. had to train myself to be able to sleep at night and not let it get the best of me. Because that's very hard to do. It's on very a daily hard basis, to right. not worry about something all this day. This child.
0: Every day. If, oh, right. Okay.
1: And so I would go in my mind and I would be able to, like you said, compartmentalize it and move on. And mm-hmm. it's in some aspects, in those situations, it's almost like a tunnel vision. like there's a goal in mind, you do you do that and you you keep going. What I am trying to do in this podcast is state, okay, you know we've talked about adoption unifications. We've talked about the impact that it has on the adoptee. But there are, and I refer to these as, I have my own language if you haven't picked up on it, uh, <laughs> monsters in your head. Okay. You know, at three o'clock in the morning when your thoughts are racing, your mind is going a mile a minute, you can't sleep, and you can't get something out of your head, then those are the things that people often don't talk about. I think that so much comes with adoption reunification that we really need to revisit this topic today. And really talk about what it looks like and what types of emotions the adoptee really goes through. I wouldn't change my experience for anything in the world. Uh My biggest regret is that I didn't have enough time with my mother before she passed away because she did die at 59. And so I only had those precious 10 years. But I don't know that emotionally I would have been ready Prior to 34, the age of 34, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I was at a place in my life that I could have understood where she was mentally and what had gone on in her life and been able to still be a wife, a mother, an employee, a friend and a daughter to everybody else. And at the same time, be for her what she needed. Because at that point, once I had found her, and I'm going to back up in a little bit. Once Mm -hmm. I had found her, I realized that I had to put her wants and needs before mine. Very much like a mother would with a child. Certainly. I had to do that with her because Mm. she had experienced a traumatic event with my adoption and had not received any aftercare, which is another point of why we do aftercare services. For the Donna K.
0: Evans Foundation named after her. After her, yes.
1: So she had experienced this traumatic event. And because of that, she was unable to really process the aftermath of -hmm. what happened and went on to make life choices that were hard for her and hard for my biological brothers and family members. And so I think it's important... To really, in my opinion, allow myself to say, hey, it's okay that, you know, you had the 10 years and I should be grateful for the 10 years. Part of me says, no, 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 I want more. I want more. Mm -hmm. But knowing that I had to reach a level of maturity and I had to have enough growing in the adoption world and in my career to be able to understand and comprehend and be the person and the daughter that she needed me to be. At that time. At that time. Mm -hmm. When I met my mother in 2007, I had spent uh, about six months prior to actually finding her. It took me about six months from the time I started to look for her to the time that I hugged her for the first time. Hmm. You know, it started off with a court. uh, I had to file a motion with the court asking to open up my file. Mm -hmm. I remember when I received the, uh, the motion back. From the court. I remember opening it up and I on my own went flat. Okay. It wasn't jumping up and down. It was like an almost an out of body experience. Hmm. Because I thought, now I've done it.
0: Like I've opened this can of worms. Yeah, Pandora's box. I just
1: opened it and I jumped in. Because now that I have this information, I can't. I can't go backwards. I can't unhave it. Mm-hmm. And when I go forward, what is this going to look like? How is this going to impact me? How is it going to impact my children? How is it going to impact my adopted parents? How is it going to impact my friends? What are people going to think?
0: This is going to change my whole world and everybody's. Yeah, everything me. I knew
1: is now different mm-hmm. because I've, I've done it. I've gone forward, and I can't undo it because at that point you can't. Once as an adoptee, mm-hmm. I couldn't anyway. I couldn't just stop. world from spinning Mm -hmm. and say okay well now i'm not moving forward i remember calling uh the court because they had not given me all of my birth certificate yet they had given me the non-identifying information and things like that i had to submit another paper because i was not an attorney and i was doing this on my own Mm -hmm. and i remember her telling me that i think i was like one of seven out of 20 to 25 that had applied that month where my mother had gone when i was Uh, 21. She thought it was 21. Actually, it could have been as early as 18 and filled out a form that said, I've never stopped looking for you. You have two brothers and she wrote a note on it with her phone number. It was really endearing. Yeah. Excuse me. It was really endearing. It was um, startling too, because when I, and I had said I I wasn't going to hold anything back when I, I read it, It was my first insight into what may or may not have happened. Mm -hmm. So she dropped out of school in the 10th grade and her handwriting reflected that. And so when I saw that, I remember thinking, okay, now I have terrible handwriting. I mean, my handwriting is horrific. Mm -hmm. And it's not that hers was horrific. It's not. It's not that, um, that I would expect from somebody... Who's an adult. Okay. And so it was.
0: It Almost was my first childlike. insight. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. And yet. That paper is so precious to me. I have it to this day. It's one of my most cherished things. Yeah. Because it's. Yeah. It just. It was an insight into it. So then I filed the paper with the court. To get the actual original birth certificate. And then that was mailed to me. It was a little bit of a shock that a birth father wasn't listed. Mm-hmm. I was expecting one to be listed.
0: Right.
1: It was, that was kind of like a sucker punch, I think, because I thought, hmm, okay. And again, another insight as to, okay, I I wasn't expecting that. Um, you know, at this point, as I've talked before, my fairy tale images <laughs> are now slowly fading, you know. Right. And a little bit at a time. Yeah, the, the castle's just yeah. like sand. <laughs> <laughs> so I I remember when I read the, the birth certificate and I saw it and I realized she didn't even name me. Mm-hmm. And that was another surprise. And, you know, I understand if I go into the social worker aspect and I go into the professional realm, she never saw me, so mm-hmm. she probably didn't even know that she could name me. I'm mm-hmm. sure nobody went in and discussed it with her.
0: And do you think that uh, on her part, it's obviously you can't get into her head. No,
1: but I can uh, speculate in what she shared right. with me.
0: Do you think that maybe she didn't name you because then it really personalizes it and, again, makes it Possibly. more real? To, so yeah. she could distance herself from it a little bit? Maybe. I'm just I'm asking. I think...
1: Yes and no. I know that she had said, and we talked about this before, that if I'd been born on Christmas, she would have named me Jesus. That's right. Um, (laughs) So I'm not... Are you
0: thankful that you didn't go through life with the name Jesus? Yes. Okay.
1: Because um, I'm not sure that that is a female name. No. And for other reasons as well. There's many
0: reasons. Yes, there's many reasons.
1: And um, yes, so I I am am grateful. (laughs) I... I was taken back, though, mm-hmm. that she didn't name. So on my birth certificate, it's listed as baby girl Evans. Mm-hmm.
0: Did it kind of hurt?
1: Yes. Because, again.
0: You had already made a fantasy.
1: I did. Mm-hmm. And when adopted children from overseas
0: mm-hmm. come
1: over here, one of the, the things that we really educate adopted parents about is sometimes that's all they've got left. You know, they don't have their country anymore and they don't have the things that matter to them. They don't have their biological family members. Mm-hmm. But they still have their name. And so I didn't have a name. And so, yeah, that was a little, little bit of a shock.
0: Is that something that's changed more and more also with the open adoptions? Do you think more birth mothers name their children? I
1: would say the majority of birth mothers name their children. Okay. And, and
0: back then they didn't by and large or did they I don't they? think
1: so. Actually, you know what? I don't I don't have an answer for that. Okay. Um, I think it's more common now to mm. name them uh, name but I don't I don't believe it was as common back then.
0: Mm. Um, now uh, with uh, the children who are named they they do take that with them. Obviously, it's on their birth certificate. It's on their
1: so the, yeah. So the way that works is it's on their original birth certificate. The what their birth mother names them. Mm-hmm. And then when the adoption is finalized, a new birth certificate is issued. Right. And at that point, the adoptive family can legally change the child's name or to not. what they want it to be. Right. What I see happen a lot, especially if there's an open adoption and there's a closeness between the adoptive mom and the birth mom, is sometimes if it's not a name that the adoptive mom really wanted or that maybe there was a reason a family name she wanted or something mm-hmm. like that, they'll often make it a middle name or something like that.
0: So they'll kind of keep part of yeah. it a little piece. Yeah, so... Okay. Um, and that would have been nice for you to have had that little piece yes. growing up and becoming an adult.
1: Yeah, it would have It would have been nice mm-hmm. to know what she would have done with it. So I, I get the information. I get the birth certificate. I now have her name. You know, I, I look at her date of birth and I realize... I knew she was 16 when she had me. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that she just turned 16 right. within a few months. So
0: she was 15 when the majority you were conceived. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And the vast majority of her pregnancy. Yeah. And it was one of those like almost paralyzing moments, I call them, like where you just kind of freeze. And after I freaked out a little bit, then I started, you know, I called a private investigator and then we had some false leads. And I actually found her sister-in-law and had a coworker of mine call because I just couldn't call. I, it was one of those things I couldn't make that one call. So she called, and it was like the stars aligned. And that sister-in-law was one of the people that didn't know about me. So she asked a couple questions to kind of make sure that we were legitimate as well. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they exchanged numbers, and then the coworker was very kind and came over to the house because I didn't want to do it by myself. And so she came over, and she... Made the call with me. Again, I couldn't dial it. I couldn't. I I didn't even know what to say. So we had. Did she
0: do any of the talking? Or was mm -hmm, it you most? Okay.
1: Yeah. So what we did is we had. um, And I still have this as well. Mm -hmm. We had a notebook. So she gets her on the phone. And she's writing notes. As she's talking to her initially at first. And then she covers up the phone. And she leans over and she says. I think she's black. (laughs) Okay. And so. Now Obviously, thinking, you're thinking
0: do we we've get the right person. Got the wrong person.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking, right. do we get the right person? Mm-hmm. And and I'm I'm and I'm literally looking at my skin and I'm thinking, is it possible? You know, I don't know. Right. And so now my heart, you know, went from you know 150 beats a minute. Now I'm over 200 because I'm thinking, <laughs> oh my gosh, what 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 is this? Right. Um, going to find out. English- and this
0: was just because of her accent <laughs> and the way she was talking. Yes. Okay
1: and she was probably really nervous too oh, and sure. so you know this coworker actually has uh two adopted uh, black children so this wasn't a derogatory thing at all right. this no, was no, just no. a comment and and it was um alarming and then she hands me the phone and i hear her voice and i can barely understand her mm-hmm. because her accent was very thick mm-hmm. and so there was a lot of what 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 <laughs> can you say that again please yeah. um the first thing she said is, you want to know why I, I done it, right? And mm. and I and I said, done what? Like, I, I wasn't, I was so nervous that I didn't really understand what she'd done. Like, I wasn't putting right. two and two together and at this point. She
0: obviously meant why she had, right. had placed you for adoption.
1: And I remember telling her, no, I understand why. You mm. were 16. 16 years old. Yeah. And-, and she asked if I was mad at her. And I remember thinking, no, I had a. Great childhood. I have great adoptive parents.
0: Were there ever moments throughout your life, especially as a child, that you did have anger about Towards that? her? Or no. just about the situation?
1: No, there were moments that I wanted more information.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: There were moments It was more that
0: curiosity.
1: It was more curiosity. Okay. It, and I wouldn't have had anger because I wouldn't have known what to be angry about. Okay. Because I didn't know what was on the other side. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. Uh, so
0: yeah, but I also think of in my life there were many times that I had anger or uh, and didn't have a reason for it. I didn't ha- have. I was any angry way that to she didn't show it. up when
1: I was sixteen and give me a car.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: Um, but no,
0: you've handled it very well. It's it's impressive.
1: Well, but it's hard to say wasn't... what I would
0: have been like in that situation. I I don't know. I think.
1: Well, again, it's hard to be angry about something that you don't know about. Right. So, it was. And wasn't, then the more
0: you learned, obviously, yeah. I knew she how could a you be a choice. Angry, yeah. she was sixteen years old, And, right. and, and I knew she, she was made a beautiful 16. choice. Yeah, right.
1: and and I knew that you know her mother had, had a lot of children, and you know it. It does. Looking back, you know, I can say that I did wonder what the classic. Um things that adopted kids worry about was there something wrong with me? Was mm-hmm. there a reason that she didn't want me is there was there something about me that made her choose right. adoption like and
0: I, again, obviously it wasn't because she'd never even seen you correct, yeah.
1: but up until that moment i didn't know that right i didn't okay. know that she hadn't seen me i didn't know that she had not had that time to say goodbye
0: had you knew that you were Adopted from birth, you didn't have any question throughout your life. Oh, was I too? When this no, happened? I knew. So you I, knew. I don't. All I don't ever me.
1: remember being told. So, like I said, it must have been very young. Mm-hmm. And I've always known it's been from birth. Okay. Um,
0: I just have questions. So
1: absolutely, okay. ask away. Because our listeners probably have the same questions you do. <laughs> okay. Um, so I remember from that point on. You know, we talked for probably another thirty minutes, and then. Uh, my coworker went home with her kids and, you know, my kids are running around and I'm, you know, at this point, probably hiding in the closet with the telephone because, <laughs> I mean, we must've talked till the middle of the night and then nonstop the next couple of days. Wow. I remember she emailed me a picture of her and it was, uh, she had an above ground pool, you know, those pools that you can fill up. They're right. like, I don't know, about uh,
0: four 60. feet high. Yeah. Yeah. Got Actually, a little
1: yeah, ladder feet, on the side. Yeah. And so she it was her in one of those. Okay. And I was thinking, man, she's brave, sending me one of her in a bathing suit. Like that was I mean, you she was in the water, so you right. only saw, you know. And I remember looking at it thinking, Yeah.
0: I can see that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, she looked enough like me that I was like I mean, it wasn't, you know, a spitting image, mm-hmm. but there were definitely similarities. I remember thinking Okay. Like, I, I still didn't really know what I was getting into. I didn't, you know, I mean, she loved telling her the story of my birth. And that was really important
0: to her. And this is where we'll pick it up next time on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with this revealing conversation between Kelly Rourke Scary and myself about her reunification with her birth mother. We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112 or you can call our toll-free number 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing and started on creating an Arizona adoption plan or give you more information. You can check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com. Thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters and Adoption written and produced by Kelly Rourke-Scarry and edited by me, ron Raines. if you enjoy this podcast rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts and as always thanks to grapes for letting us use their song i don't know as our theme song join us next time for birth mother matters in adoption for kelly Rourke scary i'm ron Raines, and we'll see you then